0: We're talking all about mission, vision, and culture. And in today's Staff Meeting Devo, Pastor Tom shares a word on church health. If this podcast blesses you, share it with somebody in your life. Maybe it's a leader, member of your team, family member, or a friend. Let's grow together. Here's this week's devotional from Pastor Tom, recorded live during our weekly staff meeting. All right. Well, it's great to be able to come hang out with you guys. Hopefully, I've got something that's helpful for you. As I was getting ready, one thing that really stood out that I wanted to share that I think is important is I wanted to just have uh, a little bit of a thought, a little bit of consideration around the idea of church health. Now, church health um, is somewhat of a buzzword right now. There's any number of books you can buy on the subject of church health, podcasts you can listen to, YouTube videos, seminars, all the stuff. It's certainly not, um, you know, a new thing that we're touching upon. The idea of church health is somewhat of a buzzword. It's a bit, you know. Fancy right now. Um, But just because it's a buzzword, just because it's uh, somewhat a little bit cliche, just because it's extremely popular, doesn't mean it's not true. And it doesn't mean it should be dismissed. So I just want to sort of be careful that, um, you know, we don't sort of hear the words church health and just let it roll off because, oh, it's another thing on church health. I do think this is something significant. And one word of warning is that uh, I don't want to fall into the trap. And I think this is easy to fall into, is we can assume that good intentions are enough to produce health that having good intentions by not having malicious thoughts and not, you know, acting with malevolence is enough to produce um, healthy church. And I don't think that's uh, the truth, but rather if we're not deliberate to get away from unhealth, we'll tend to drift into unhealth. So good intentions aren't enough. There needs to be a level of deliberate effort to keep us out of unhealth and rather forward in the health and the kind of churches and the kind of kingdom-minded organizations and ministry teams that God has called us to be a part of. So verse I want to share with you. Matthew 16, 18. I'm sure you all know this one. This is Jesus uh, talking to Peter. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock... I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will build my church. And church historians and theologians are still debating what Jesus means by upon this rock. But the interesting thing here that I want to point out, and I think is key for us, is that Jesus is building something, and he's building the church. Jesus is building something. I will build my church, and he is building this church. And this is something uh, I talk about whenever I meet a believer who uh, wants to have a relationship with God, but actively wants to reject the church. I was like, wow, just so you know, you're actively rejecting what Jesus has promised to build. So something I would suggest being very careful about when you're saying you want to be a believer, but you don't want anything to do what he's about, uh, be careful. That's some dicey area that I want to get into. And then Paul to the church in Corinth, he says that we are co-laborers with Christ, that we are building with him, that this building initiative, this building of the church that Jesus is about, he has asked us and invited us to come and build with him. Jesus is building something, and amazingly, he's invited us to build it with him. So there's a few suggestions. We wanted to build a church, and not just any old church, but a church that is God-honoring, a church that is healthy, a church that is biblically-based, a church that wants to uh, serve and save and see people come to know God in an incredible life-changing way. A few suggestions of healthy indicators in a church. are a few things that if these are evident, I'm confident this is an indication of a healthy church. The first thing, the church has different maturity levels the church has different maturity levels. It's not all brand new Christians helping figuring out their first steps. And it's not all people that have been saved for decades that are deeply mature and deeply um, seasoned in the word and a great relationship with God. But there is a true um, spectrum of people who make up the church. It's not just people that made the decision recently to follow Jesus or people that are mature in their faith but I also hope that someone on the complete other end of the spectrum is a part of the church someone that actively and passionately hates church hates God wants nothing to do with God is an angry atheist I want those people in our church I want those people to be a part of the community of faith I hope that they're there on a Sunday morning or at a life group or another ministry area and when they leave there they're actually feeling like hmm you know what there might actually be something to this maybe my anger is misplaced Maybe I've assumed things about God because of what people have done. And I really hope that this is a church where there is all maturity levels, not just, uh, you know, for people who are brand new Christians and we just cater to the brand new Christians and we make sure the brand new Christians feel okay, but also don't want to be a church where we, you know, we're blowing the cobwebs off things because we've got a bunch of people that are seasoned in their faith. And I also don't want to be a church where we've just got the angry people, but I want everybody. I want this to be a church where there is a true wide spectrum. There is a different maturity level represented and everybody can leave something that we do, a ministry that we do, whether it's Sunday morning or another area of ministry, and anyone and everyone can can leave no matter where they are on this journey and feel, you know what? Something has encouraged me and challenged me to grow closer to God because of this. So all kinds of different maturity levels. The second thing, everyone can grow. Everyone can grow. Now, at uh, the beginning of the year, we did, um, it ended up being a three-week series on passion and growth. And those are just big things for me this will come out naturally in anything we talk about but the opportunity that everyone can grow in their faith and I would say that this is growing by input and output input and output Um, a healthy diet is both eating right and working out and I think spiritual health is often the same thing, is that we're eating right. What we're taking in is good and healthy, but also that we're having a chance to work out what we're putting in, that we're able to work out spiritually. So I think that that means that there is an appropriate pressure on us as staff to ensure that we're giving people something that will feed and build their faith. And I think we do that with, through worship and through the different ministry areas, through preaching, small group content, kids curriculum, or come on somebody, this podcast. We're trying to feed people as best we can but I think we also should feel the pressure to ensure that people have an outlet. I was a few weeks ago in a message talked about the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea has the most nutrients compared to any other area on earth, but nothing grows there. The Reason being that there's simply no outlets so or everything just stays there and just gets stagnant and nothing can survive except a few bacteria. Nothing can survive there. We need to have that outlet, that healthy diet of both eating right and working uh, out what we've, uh, what we've been able to take in there's been a number of studies that have been done uh, around uh, how people learn. And what the conclusions have been is that people learn best when they expect to have to teach what they are currently learning. And so uh, retailers have found this out. And so what they'll do is that they will teach new people how to do something and let them know... The guy behind you, you're going to have to show them what I'm showing you right now. And people inevitably and invariably train better because they're carrying this weight of I'm going to have to in turn take what I'm learning and have to show someone else. And as we're trying to create an environment where everyone can grow, part of that means that whatever we're doing to put into people, there is this expectation of this needs to flow out of you in some avenue in life. Imagine if the congregation on a Sunday morning was being a part of worship or partaking in the message or whatever was going on, and the whole time they're thinking to themselves, okay, how am I going to relay this to my coworkers? Okay, how am I going to internalize this and then be able to repeat this to my adult son who isn't following Jesus? How, am I going to, how is this going to lead to a conversation with a coworker? How is this going to help me be a better neighbor? If everybody had this idea of what I'm taking in right now, what I'm listening to, if everyone kind of had in their minds, okay, and how am I going to work this out? How am I going to put this into practice? If everyone was in small group, and instead of reading the book or whatever study they're going through with the idea of, okay, what am I learning? What am I gaining? How can I be blessed? How can I be encouraged? How can I be fulfilled? But instead, it was, how can I take from this group conversation how to help my neighbors, how to help my family, how to help my coworkers, how to help my spouse. How can I relay the good stuff that God is doing through this good thing to other people? I I can't even imagine the strength and the health that would come from us having that kind of mindset. So everyone can grow. The third thing, being challenged is expected. Being challenged is expected. Now, um, in churches, we generally want to make people comfortable. And I think with good motive and good intentions, um, there are some churches where, if someone is a new person, we will go over and above to make sure this person knows that they are a VIP. That they know that they are very, very special. And uh, you know, so there'll be special parking. Um, there'll be people sprinkling rose petals as they're walking towards the church. They sit in a massage chair while the kids get checked into kids' ministry. They get complimentary macaroons delivered to their seats during worship. And afterwards, there's a grilling station where they can have chicken or steak cooked to their liking. But fast forward a year. And we want that same family, that same people that have visited the church to be serving on a team, to be in a group and tithing and building alongside us. So week one, would you like your steak rare, medium, or well done? Week 52, what do you mean you're not tithing? What do you mean you're not on a team? What do you mean you're not building the church? What do you mean you're just turning up and consuming? At what point do we make the switch? At what point do we tip the balance of the church exists for you? We are here just for you to make your church experience such a delight and such a pleasure and such an honor that you would dare grace us with your presence to, oh no, you're a part of the family now. You're digging in, you're pitching in. There's a place for you. We want you to serve. We believe there's blessing in tithing. We believe there's suddenly there's a switch of it's no longer about you, but it's about you having a focus towards others. So my suggestion is that as a church, it's far better to give new people the honor and the respect by letting them know we're a church on a mission. And we want to make it as easy as possible for you to get on this mission with us. This mission is real important. And we want you to come, and it is the greatest joy that you could ever be a part of to partner with God and be a co-laborer with Christ. Come on somebody and build the church with Him. Rather than, oh, I'm so sorry that the rose petal sprinkler wasn't able to be here today. Let me wash your car while you're in service. Rather than feeding that selfish consumer idea, let's let new people know. Let's let people know right from the get-go. We are a church on a mission and we want you to find your place in this community of faith. We want you to find your place in this body of believers. And we you to find this place, uh, find your place as a builder and a co-laborer with Christ. It's the great paradox that it's better to give than it is to receive. As the book of Proverbs says, those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And Paul being able to say, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. It's all about shrinking the selfishness in our lives. Christian maturity is measured by how selfish or unselfish people are. And if Christian maturity is by shrinking the selfishness So that Paul was able to get to that point of saying, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Let's do people a favor that they're going to start off their relationship with the church and possibly their relationship with God with, you know what, this means that you're a part of something now. You're a part of a movement. You're a part of something that is about a mission and this mission is awesome. And it's a giant blessing to be a part of it. It is a joy to be able to tithe and see God take that finances and transform it into lives changed. Now, I don't ever expect to be at the point where Paul was able to say, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Mike Chiz may have conquered it years ago, but I'm not sure if I will ever get there. But I do believe that that is something that we have our focus on that that is something that we should have our mindset on is that we are a growing chip. We do want to grow. We want to see people stretch. We want to see people accept the challenge, that we aren't just taking the status quo, that we aren't just settled with who we are right now, but we do want to accept the challenge. Now, we can nod along with this, uh, but I truly do believe that the good intentions aren't enough. And so there's three things to build some healthy things into our ministries. So those are three indicators of health, but I want to look at um, three ways that we can start to build that. The first is to value, honor, and celebrate every step forward. Every step forward, reward what you want repeated is what I've heard people say. Value, honor, and celebrate every step forward. Any step in the right direction is hallelujah time. The size of the step isn't as important as the direction. This could be an addict asking for help. This could be someone getting baptized. This could be somebody deciding to lead a group for the first time. This could be somebody deciding that they're going to start getting counseling. This could be a mature believer trying a new area of ministry to get out of their comfort zone. This could be someone giving for the first time. Who knows what this step could be? But any step in the right direction, we want to honor it, celebrate it, high-five it, and just let people know that it is incredible that they've took a step in the right direction. It could be somebody calling up to meet with one of the pastoral staff because they have a whole long list of questions that they want to talk through. That's a step in the right direction. We should celebrate that. It's not the size of the step, it is just that anyone is taking the step in the right direction. Philippians 1 9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. That more and more speaks to a progression, to a building, to a growing, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. It's not about static, it's not about attaining, it's about keep moving forward, keep taking those steps in the right direction. Second thing, remind people about the mission. Remind people about the mission. It's easy to stop associating the task with the fruit. It's easy to stop associating the task with the fruit. In uh, a a previous church where uh, Meg and I were on staff, I was at uh, an elders' meeting, and the elders and trustees were one and the same group of people. And a conversation came up once again, as it had done for the last six months, about whether the church was going to spend $600 on a new church sign. The current church sign was falling apart, it was outdated, and the information was wrong. Because it was decades old, and we had since changed service times. $600 to replace a new sign. Now, this was a smaller church. The budget wasn't enormous. So the idea of spending $600 was apparently worth six months of conversation. And as this conversation went round and round the houses again, one of the trustees, one of the elders piped in and said, is anybody getting saved because of a sign? Now, on the surface, it's a fair question. We're spending tithe money. We're spending church resources on a sign. Is anybody getting saved because of a sign? But as you start to think about it, there's not many one individual things you can point to and say someone got saved because of that. Did they get saved because we stopped doing hymn books and started having the notes projected on the back wall? Did anybody get saved because of that? I don't know. Did anybody get saved because we played games at youth group? Uh, And as you start thinking about it, there's really not too many things. The only moment where you might be able to say someone got saved because of that is because someone stood up and gave an appeal. If you wanted to look at it with that two-dimensional kind of lens, but the truth is and the reality is, and we all know this if we take a moment to think about it, it all builds together to get people to the point of being saved. Did anybody get saved because of a sign? No, but the sign builds towards everything else. It clearly communicates who we are. It lets people know what's going on. It tells people when service is going to be. It's not falling apart and dilapidated. People aren't distracted when they come to visit us. Like, this place is falling apart. Just look at the sign. Instead, they're not focused on that stuff. They're focused on other things. Hopefully, things that matter and things that have eternal consequence. It all builds together. It all builds together. And so that is true for the people on your teams is that it's easy to forget how your task is related to the fruit of the church. How do you know somebody, and I think about Coach Tony mowing the lawns. Does he know that by him doing that, it means that people aren't pulling into the parking lot on Sunday morning, distracted, that the place looks disheveled? But instead, it kind of looks fresh, it looks welcoming, it looks inviting, it looks great. He does a wonderful job doing that. So the people that open the doors for, uh, you know, the greeting team, do they know that it matters so much because for people to come and have their guard down because they feel, you know, this is a place where I can belong. I've already met friendly people. For Pastor Lisa and the kids check-in team to have, you know, this confidence just coming over that your kids are safe. The parents aren't spending time in worship, freaking out about whether their kids are safe from praying with broken glass, but instead their confidence, kids are probably having the time of their lives. I can focus on this worship song they're singing right now. It all builds together to get people to the point where they can be saved. So it's easy to stop associating the task with the fruit. A couple of passages, you'll know these very well. First Corinthians twelve eighteen. but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most important. The third thing, third thing we can do is embrace the challenge, share the challenge. So of course, we lead by example. And the people around us, they should see us growing and stretching and being challenged. Letting people know, these are the books that I'm reading. This is the podcast I'm listening to. This is one area that I feel God is challenging me on lately. Those kind of things clearly communicate to our teams. You know what? I'm being challenged. I'm being challenged. Someone said in a sermon last week that got me thinking about something differently, communicating, I'm being challenged. So then I, in turn, can extend a challenge to you. I'm being challenged and we're extending challenge to others. We're positioned in a place of strength to be able to extend a challenge to others once it's clearly known that I'm accepting the challenge. I'm taking the challenge seriously. And let's be honest, the church should be a challenging, stretching environment. And being challenged and stretched in church should be normal. Not because we're a judgy religious institution, but because sin and the mindset of the world is devastating. And we're trying to counter that. Of course, the church, this upside-down kingdom we've been reading about in this Luke and Acts series, this upside-down kingdom that Jesus has come, these kingdom values, these kingdom mindsets, of course, they're contrary to the world. The world brings sin and devastation and upset. And in the church, we want to counter that. But to counter that means a challenge. To counter that means a level of discomfort. Matthew twenty twenty-six. This is Jesus talking about leadership specifically. But I think this is a great principle for us to take to heart. But among you, it will be different but among you, it will be different. And to be different, that's a challenge. That's a stretch. And to accept that challenge ourselves and then to extend that to others, is not easy, but it's worth it. So the church that's healthy has many different maturity levels. So value, honor, and celebrate every step forward. Healthy church is a place where everyone can grow. So remind people about the mission. And being challenged is expected. So embrace the challenge and share the challenge. Come on, everyone, let's pray. Lord, I pray you take something from this and use it to help us lead our teams well with a kingdom mindset and kingdom values, with a love that you have for people. Lord, I pray that we for your glory. Lord, that we wouldn't be settled with being comfortable in the church. But Lord, we're on a mission and it is a mission that is a joy to fulfill with you. Lord, that we accept the challenge. The challenge to grow, the challenge to stretch, the challenge to be more like you, more like the people you've called us to be. Lord, that we accept that challenge and that we have the courage to extend that challenge to others. And that, Lord, that we will see you do great things through this church. So, Lord, bless the leaders, bless our team members, bless the people in the congregation. And, Lord, we pray that great things are ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope that you were blessed and encouraged by today's talk. If you are a leader or a ministry director here at Word of Life, there are tons of resources available on our website. Head to wordoflifeag.org, go to the menu and tap on leaders. We'll be posting new episodes of this podcast every week. So be sure to subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcasts. See you next week.